The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you needed. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. I am back in studio live for a couple more, uh, for a couple weeks uh, thank you all for letting me have a little bit of time off the last few weeks. I got to go camping one weekend. I think the other weekend was kind of boring. I think I had to do some housework and stuff. But that's okay. It's the kind of thing you need to do on occasion. And then last week we had uh, Frisbee Fest, which was a blast. Uh, uh, you know, if you got to go, uh, Frisbee Fest is a, always a good time. Uh, and uh, today I have a guest with me. I actually uh, roped old Gary Yandel coming into the studio with me today. Gary, I didn't mean to call you old there. I, saw, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you coming in, and, uh, and especially short notice like that. I, uh, I had to call Gary for some, for some help uh, on Friday and uh, thought, man, I should have Gary in because uh, Gary Yandel is always a great person to have. Uh, in studio, Gary. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Glad to be here. Appreciate it when you get a chance to come in. I don't think we we tried to get you in. I feel like I tried to get you in a couple times this fall or this spring, and it didn't never really worked out with uh, store stuff and things that were going on. I can't remember. Do you remember if you came in? I this thought spring? I did come in once earlier, and Maybe. we tried again, and that didn't yeah, work. Okay, <laughs> That's, that, it could be right. It's yeah. it's hard to remember some of these things. So. Uh, but you're here today, and uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff uh, for the lawn and garden. If you've got uh, questions uh, pertaining to those things, Gary is a, is a great resource and uh, definitely someone to talk to. He has a great wealth of knowledge uh, a lot, around a lot of things, and, and in particular, he has a, a lot of uh, experience uh, and knowledge when it comes to fruit trees and berries and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to talk to Gary about some of those things because there's always things that uh, seem to go wrong with our fruit trees and our berries. There's always something, you know? There's always something. Uh, so uh, we'd love to talk to you about those things if you'd like to be a part of the show. Oh, the number's gone. I can't remember what the number is. Oh, there it is. It's over here. I found it. <laughs> I panicked for a second. It wasn't where it usually is. All right. The number, if you'd like to be a part of the show, we'd love to talk to you. Give us a call at 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. I've been doing this show for like six years now. You'd think I'd remember this number, but what's funny is that I can't, if, if this thing, if this little card with the phone numbers isn't here, I don't remember it. But as soon as it's here, I don't need to look at it anymore. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so strange how your brain works, I yes. guess. Uh, we got a few things coming up uh, over the next few weeks uh, to talk about real quick before we get into the real meat of the show, as it were. Uh, next weekend, we have C-Spot Walk is going on at, um, that one happens at Ann Morris, no, Julia Davis Park. Uh, in the downtown Boise here. That's a big fundraiser for the Idaho Humane Society. It's one they've been doing for a long time. It's one that uh, we've participated in uh, since its ex- inception. Uh, I think we Zamzos has been at Seaspot uh, Walk every year since it began. Uh, probably, I think it started just before or just after we started doing Frisbee Fest. So it's almost as, probably at least as old as Frisbee Fest. And... Um, so we'll be there. I will be there to uh, help set up and be there for the morning, and then I'll be coming over here to do the show, and then I'll be heading back over there next Saturday. So it will be live again next Saturday. Uh, but if you're going to the C-Spot Walk event, I hope you have a good time. Maybe we'll get to see you. And uh, one other thing is – oh, wait, wait, two other things we have going on. Uh, next, the following weekend, so October 8th, we're going to be doing a new event, uh, something we've not done before that I can recall – uh, we'll be doing a dog training, like kind of a basic dog training uh, event uh, class at the Z, which is our uh, event space at our State Street store. And um, it should be pretty interesting. We've got uh, Eva from our Fairview store as a certified dog trainer. She's going to be doing a few classes on basic obedience and some crate training and then we'll also have a couple of different classes about pet nu- or dog nutrition and uh, supplementation. So it'll be a lot of fun. No registration is required. It's completely free. So if it's something you're interested in, check out zamzos.com. That information is there. You'll see some stuff coming up in the stores here soon as well. And uh, the other thing, the last kind of thing we've got going on right now or will be coming up here in October is a, a partnership with uh, Boise Parks and the Treasure Valley Canopy Network, which is a, a group of folks that are very passionate about uh, shading the valley, planting more trees. It's a really great uh, thing that they do to promote more trees. This is the city of trees after all, and uh, more trees are good. So we'll be doing, we'll be partnering with them um, as well as another nursery in the area where we will be offering, uh, they will be offering $50 off uh, a new tree. Um, and that'll be starting in October. So, um, you can look for that. Uh, those will only be available at our chin in location because they have all the trees. So if that's something you're interested in, check that out. We will be promoting that through October and, uh, should be a really fun, fun event. So, uh, that's really cool. I love trees. I think I probably haven't said that in a long time, but, uh, trees are my thing. <laughs> uh, so we've got some phone calls that are already bracking up here. So let's go ahead and get to Mike in Nampa. Mike, how's it going? How can I help you today? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, um, I'd like to ask a couple questions if I can. I'll try to make them real quick. Yeah. Um, what is is now, an, uh, you were just talking about trees there, is now an okay time to go to a nursery, uh, pick out a nice tree, um, have them come out and plant it? Is now a good time or should I wait till spring? Um, I mean, personally, I think now is a great time to plant trees. The temperatures are cooling down, and that's one of the bigger things. Like, one of the things that I really look for when I look to plant a tree is, you know, anytime you're planting something, the cooler the temperatures are, the the easier it is for the tree to transition f- uh, from transplant and, like, not suffer from transplant shock. What are your – how do you feel about it, Gary? What do you usually recommend this time of year? No, I like doing fall planting much more than spring planting. 
Um, it gives the tree a chance to acclimate, get the root systems established before the ground freezes. And planting in the spring, you're coming into the heat of summer, and sometimes those transplants just don't you know take yeah i look at yeah that's i think that's the the a good way to look at it is in in spring you're moving into the hot time in fall you're moving into cooler times yeah. and uh you want to give the tree as much time so if you plant it in the fall you're going all the way through fall winter and then the following spring for it to before it really has to compete with that heat and it's going to have a lot more time to really uh establish a root system and prepare for that next summer yeah all right, great. That answers that question. Um, I know we might be up on time, so let me ask this one real quick. I have um, I have a couple of shrubs in my front yard. Uh, they're the same age as my house. They're about 22 years old. Um, I can sculpt them and make them perfectly round and stuff. They're only about, I wish I knew what kind they were, but I'm not original to the house, so I don't know. They're green, and they get these little yellow flowers on them in the summertime. In the summer. Um, they're probably about a maximum three feet tall. And the problem I'm having is every year they've been beautiful and green and lots of flowers. And for whatever reason, and it's not water, this year they're brown, there's no flowers, they look like they're dying. And I don't know if it's because of their age mm. or if maybe I got some kind of bugs in there. I mean, I've had them sprayed for bugs. Yeah, interesting. Yellow flowering in the in the summer. What can you think of, Gary? I can't think of anything that it could be. Yeah. I mean, yellow flower in in early spring would be a forsythia, um, but not a yellow in uh, later in the year. So that's I'm going to have to think about it a little bit. There's a couple of things that need typical bug treatments. Oftentimes, are dealing with things like aphids, um, spider bites. Yeah, and it, well, and that's what I'm wondering actually, Gary, is if. Um, some some of the some chemicals don't do a great job on spider mites. Yeah, great. And okay. so it, I, I've been spraying them. Yeah, I've been spraying them too, like uh, like with water, like every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to kind of and every now and then I see like these white moths fly up. Now I don't know if that means anything, but that's um, the only thing that I've seen. In, um, but you know, yeah. moths are probably coming from the lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah probably. And um, okay. the moths themselves wouldn't do any real damage. It's no. the the caterpillars or the 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 lar- the younger stages of the moth would be the thing that would do damage. I just wonder at this stage if I should just be thinking about replacing them or if they're going to come back. Nah, right I wouldn't. Now, I wouldn't necessarily good. say replacing them is the best thing to do. I mean, if it's a tr- if it's a plant that you don't want there anymore, then that's a different situation. But if you like no, the plants like and they them. just, I like them when they're green and pretty. I think what I would do. There's here's a few things I would do. First thing I would do is take a picture of them, send them to me at zamzos at zamzos.com. Let me take a look at them and see if I can figure out what plant it is. Then what Zamzo, I would do Zamzo. this Zamzo.com. okay. Yep. Then what I would do is um feed them with Thrive, prune them down a little bit and then let's see what happens to them next year because if it's a plant you like we're coming into the time of year where they're going to go into dormancy, so that Thrive is going right. to help replenish and you know kind of get it out of whatever damage it was dealing with this year, uh, and it's going to put it on a good track to recover through the fall, winter, and come out next spring. Could be a combination okay. of things. It's kind of tough to say exactly what it might be. I think it could have been spider mites because the typical uh, sprays, you might be right. the insect sprays we typically use for a lot of bugs don't do a don't great job it. against uh, spider mites. And so we need a little different I have, one. I did see a ton of spider webs on those things. And no yeah. matter how hard I try to spray them off, they're back in like 20 minutes, it seems like. Could have been spider know? mites so. then. 
Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll give that a shot. Thank yeah, you so send much. me that picture, Mike, and I'll try to get to the bottom of that one for you. All right, thanks for the call. We're going to go to a quick break. we got lots of phone calls here on hold. Please stay on the line, Rose, Carol, and uh, Chris. We'll be right back. We'll talk to you here on the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and even though fall has officially arrived, our days are still warm, but our nights and mornings are cool, making this the ideal weather to apply Zamzo's lawn food, which is step four in the Zamzo's lawn program. But you don't need to be on our program to apply Zamzo's lawn food. You can buy it one bag at a time and apply it anytime, which this time of year is important for your lawn's good health. That's because your lawn is recovering from the record hot summer we just had, where we suffered through 27 days of the temperature being over 100 degrees. That was hard on us and really hard on our lawns. But Zamzo's Lawn Food was formulated by my dad, Jim Zamzo, to replace the vital trace minerals your lawn used up just trying to survive. Plus, this early fall application gives your lawn a much-needed feeding. So if you haven't already done so, feed your lawn now with Zamzo's Lawn Food, available exclusively at Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Federal Way and Geckler in Southeast Boise. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. And news talk doesn't have to be boring. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. It's Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part two of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. With me today is Gary Yandel of our Middleton location, and I always appreciate it when Gary can come in because uh, he's a very smart person, knows a ton of stuff about plants and trees and shrubs and stuff, and... uh, He's a smart guy. So if you have a question that you want to ask a really smart guy, you can do that now. Give us a call, 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. We've got a couple of calls here who have been waiting patiently. So let's go ahead and get to Rose in Boise. Rose, how's it going? How can we help you today? Oh, it's going great. Thank you for taking the call. Absolutely. I have a, um, a pear tree with lots of pears on it, and they're some are little, but they're not ripening. Should I leave them? On the tree, or should I try to get them off and try to ripen them? Do we have any idea what kind of pear this is? Uh, green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, green the classic <laughs> green pear. <laughs> How many pears are there? Oh, many. Very, very many. Many pears. Um, <laughs> so has it Do been there for a long time? The tree? I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to be as... No, 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 no. You're, it's okay. No. It's okay. A lot of, yeah, it, it's actually uh, something that happens quite often. It's it's not a problem. Um, but I think where Gary is going with that is that there are probably some that do need to stay on the tree longer and some that are okay to, to take off a little bit earlier. So it, it can be a little uh-huh. bit difficult. I think um, I would personally, I would probably just say, leave it on there as long as you can. Um, okay. Is if they still feel like they're not ripening, it's probably okay in general to let them sit there for a little bit longer. Um, and then as we get a little bit closer to frost, I would say, I mean, is it, are there some pears that want to hit a, get hit by a frost before they, they get harvested or is that, am I completely out of left field there, Gary? A light frost is okay. A light frost. Winter pears and so forth. Gotcha. Your Bartlett pears, let's say it's a Bartlett pear in this case. Yeah. They'll actually start to turn yellow on you. Mm. And, um, those will have Mm -hmm. to be picked then. Some of your winter pears, though, it's okay to let them hang. Yeah. Um, okay. As kind of a general rule, 
if you will, um, you can actually take a pear, slice it, and look at the seeds inside. Mm. Those seeds will either be a very dark coffee brown or even to a black. At that point, they're ready to pick. Mm, good one. Okay. Some pears oh, actually have uh-huh. to be removed from their trees, some of your winter pears, uh-huh. and let to sit for a while in the dark, let's say, and ripen off the tree. Interesting. Okay, so it just depends on... But I you think know, that, I didn't think they had a seed in them, but they must. Huh? Oh yeah, there's I a seed break in there. One open. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're and if you're not seeing it, if it hasn't really changed color, it might just need a little bit more time. Yeah, because they should. Yeah, like yeah. Gary said, they should start to change color um, on you. Yeah. So that's you, you'll have to sacrifice one. I mean, even if it's still not ripe, I mean, it's still something you can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's. It's poisonous at that point. Yeah. It's no, still something you can eat. Take them no. off and yeah. then put them in a, plastic, a brown bag. And oh, yeah, brown bag with a banana. That'll always ripen it up. That'll fast. ripen it up. Um, but, yeah, I think that's I think that's the way to go there, uh, Rose, is to, you know, sacrifice one, uh, cut it in cut it in there and see what the seeds are looking like. It's going to, you know, they're going to be in the in the center there like they would an apple or anything else. And, right. And look mm-hmm. for that color and, and, and let that be your guide. And if it's still real firm, then you've got, you know, your tricks for ripening or you just let them sit in the dark, like Gary said, for a, a number of days and, and keep an eye on them. But I think you're going to be okay. One of the funny things, I've my pair actually produced a, a fair amount of uh, fruit this year, and I keep forgetting to pick them or do anything, but... I don't know how somehow my dog is actually getting them. I keep she keep like every now and then she'll come from that side of the house and um what the heck does she have and she's chomping on a pear just throwing it around having oh, a good cool. old time. So my oh. dog's enjoyed the pears quite a bit this year. She thinks it's a strange a looking ball. Red. There's some up there that are a little bit red or mm. turning red. But if I open them up and what did you say when I open up? What should I look for? The tr- the seeds in the center are going to be okay. dark coffee brown to even black and then you know it's ready all right Oh, okay that's what i missed okay well i'll let you guys go well thank you for the call rose good luck with the pears i hope they turn out amazing and uh and you get to enjoy them if you'd like to be a part of the show we would love to talk to you you can give us a call at 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBY this is the zamzo's garden show i'm your host nolan guthrie we're here with gary yandel of our middleton location and we have another call on hold so let's go ahead and talk to carol in nampa carol how's it going what can we do for you today it's going okay thank you you bet uh i have a, a pine tree in my front yard and I was told last year that it has red band needle disease. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it's worth having sprayed. I, I have gotten some conflicting information when I've tried to research it, you know. Yeah. I, uh, I have, it, some have said, yeah, you should spray it. Others said, don't bother. So, yeah. Uh, I wondered if, if your uh, guest has a, any suggestions, if, if he knows a lot about trees. Yeah, what's your experience with uh, red band on a pine tree, uh, or, uh, Gary? Yeah, most of the time we're recommending you spray that tree with some sort of fungicide. And that might take a couple of sprays to actually uh, arrest the problem. Yeah. Typically what I've found with uh, some of those needle cast diseases is they typically need to be sprayed in the, sp- in the fall. Um, as we're going into winter and it's, you know, usually you're going to use something like copper or you might use the, uh, what's that other, that fruit revitalize, 
Oh, revitalize. That's yeah. a really good one yeah. too. Yeah. Um, what's that uh, old one? That's uh, the uh, Neil. Um, nah, that's no, not the not one. That. It's the Fertiloom one that was for. It's like the it's the bacteria one. Oh, I can't. It That's, came in that little red, like green, uh, orange. It was like the little jar with the white lid had the or, orange label around it. That was fertilome. You remember which one I'm talking? about? Uh, I do. You're not talking about the one for fireblight. That's the one I'm thinking okay, about. Okay. I think that's what it is. Okay, okay so I'm yeah. I'm off on that one. But I think really copper is probably the best thing. One of the best things revitalizes another good one. Mm-hmm. You can spray that as we're heading into fall here. Um, and you know, probably two or three times with a lot of those diseases, sometimes it's really difficult because, you know, you spray kind of before damage. The best thing to do is spray before damage. And sometimes what can be a bad year for a fungus might not be a bad year the next year. So you might not have it come back year after year if it's left untreated. And a lot of times, um, if you, you know, do things like feed it really well and the different conditions aren't favorable for the disease, you might not see it. So that's where it gets really conflicting and, and really tough to say what exactly sh- you should do. And that one in particular seems to be very difficult because, you know, it, it seems like we see one year, we, we see a lot of it and then we won't see it for three or four years. Um, and you know, people treat it once and you know, then you don't see it again for a long time. So if you had it last year, I would probably say, go ahead and spray it this fall with, uh, the copper or the revitalize. Either one of those is going to be good. Feed it with thrive and, um, and then the rest of it should take care of itself. But, um, you know, you're not going to, when it comes to, when you get uh, some of the damage from those things, that damage never goes away. What you're doing is protecting the next year's growth from actually getting infected with it. And that's, that's the, the other kind of issue that, you know, the damage that has happened will always be there until those needles shed. Um, which is kind of why you need to spray it because if it's still there, you want to spray it, protect it for a year, and then usually it goes away. Um, so that's what, that's what my recommendation would be, Carol. I don't know. Does that seem like a good plan to you, Gary? Sounds solid. Awesome. Does that sound like it's going to work for you, Carol? Well, I, you know, I have to hire it sprayed. Yeah. Because I can't do it myself. I gotcha. And so I don't know if it's going to be worth, you know, because one side of it is pretty bad. I've, I've got a lot of dead branches and, Mm. and, you know, I, I wasn't going to bother with it, but then. The rest of the tree looks okay, although I can see some some of the red band coming on it. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't know what to do and what information I or I researched. I it was conflicting, it, you know, and so it was. I thought, well, I'd call into the show today, being as you have Gary on there, yeah. you know, and, and you too, you know, obviously. But okay, well, I guess I got a decision to make because. Yeah, I would try to at least get it one time. Um, and like I said, Thrive is going to be a, a great help for you as well. Doing something, doing whatever you can to the soil, uh, making sure the tree has its natural defenses will be really beneficial. And then at least trying to do maybe at least one year of spraying. And, and I'll, I'll bet you probably see it go out of there. So we got to go to a break, Carol. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. We're going to come back for part three of the Zamzo's Garden Show here on KBOI. Just a moment. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, inviting you to Idaho's largest dog walk and festival, the 30th annual Sea Spot Walk, Saturday, October 1st at Julia Davis Park. 
After two years of going virtual, both Zamzos and the Idaho Humane Society are beyond excited to be back in person and to get out with our dogs and enjoy the beautiful fall weather. In fact, Zamzos was there for the first Sea Spot Walk. So we're proud to sponsor what has become Idaho's largest dog walk and festival. This year, all sign up is online. So go to seaspotwalk.org and sign up now. As a special thank you to Zamzo's customers, the Idaho Humane Society has created a special QR code that can be accessed in person at all 13 Zamzo's. And that QR code will save you $5 off your registration. So get your QR code and sign up now. Then we'll see you Saturday, October 1st at 10 a.m. at Julia Davis Park for the 30th annual Sea Spot Walk, benefiting the Idaho Humane Society and proudly sponsored by your friends right here at Zamzo's. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part three, the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. With me today is Gary Yandel of our Middleton location. And uh, I am really excited to have Gary in studio. If you'd like to be a part of the show, give us a call, 208 336 3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. We have a call from Vicki in Boise who has been waiting patiently. Vicki, how's it going? How can we help you today? Great. I have a, a tree. Um, I think they're Alberta spruces. I have six. Um, and I also have a needle question. Mm-hmm. The needles are turning brown from the tip to the tops. They're a little over six feet tall. Yeah. And in a strip all the way down, just on the south side of the trees. And at first I thought, well, maybe it was from all the intense sun. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So I'm wondering if the replenish or whatever spray would help or if I have something going on in my trees. Because it's in all six of them, but just on the south side. Just on the south side. And it started at the top. Mm-hmm. Like the very, very top. Or kind of um, like to the side. Like, would you say there's still any kind of kind of to the right side? Okay, to the side of it a little bit. Okay, now when uh-huh. you say it's a strip, um, do you mean like a straight line, or do you mean like it's curling around the tree? No, it's not curling around the tree. Okay. I'm looking at them right now, and it's just kind of like a big, big patches. Big patches. Okay, on the south yeah. side. South side. Um, is there anything on that south side? Is that exposed to just an open area? Is the is that the next lawn. to the just the just lawn? The lawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, the, I'm not losing any branches or anything. It's just just the needles, and it, yeah. um, and it affects about oh maybe maybe about four to five inches in. Mm-hmm. Well, on an Alberta spruce, uh, you know, there's very little growth on the inside. If it's an Alberta spruce, they're very tightly compacted kind of plant, and the only the only green is really on the very very outer spot of it. So as soon as you mm-hmm. go in, that's just old growth that doesn't get any sun, and it's just never going to have any anything green on it. Right. Which is also kind of an issue because if 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 those tips die. Um, those, that part of the tree is never going to regrow. I mean, eventually it might kind of fill it in, but if a branch or a little bit of that tip dies, um, the, your, your conifers have a very, um, strong, what's called like, uh, it's not apical dominance, but it's a, um, 
there's another term for it that I'm forgetting, but the, it's it's where the they they only grow the only growth happens at the very end of the branch, and if that right. part of it dies, it can't grow anymore. So it's essentially done. So what caused it? If it's if it did, did it seem like it happened all at once, or did it kind of gradually show up over time? It just kind of showed up. I just kind of I don't pay that much attention to them because. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, I just noticed it when it was so hot, and I yeah. thought, "Uh-oh!" But I'm I'm picking some of these, or letting some of these needles come off, and the branch that the needles are coming off of are very, very flexible. They're not dry and brittle. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of like a that's kind of like the Christmas tree effect there. Um, yeah. Um, so maybe I would I should just maybe oh. take a picture of. You, of them and come into the store. You can you can do that. You can also send it to me at zamzos at zamzos.com if you'd like. Um, what I'm thinking is there's a couple of things that I know about Alberta spruces. Um, one, they do tend to, they can have hard time with spider mites. Now, typically a spider mite's not going to show up in a straight line across handful of plants. So I think we can probably rule that out. You'd probably also see uh, some webbing when it came to that as well. Right. And I, I don't have any of that. Okay. So the other thing we would look at is something that would be cultural or, um, you know, has to do with the environment. And we were ta- actually, Gary and I were talking about it on the break with one of the other calls is that, um, it was a hot year. It was a very I hot know. summer. We had a lot, I mean, record number days over a hundred degrees. And sometimes you can get some weird things happening when that ha- when you, we've got that. That was my first thought. So it could, yeah, it could just be the heat. And that's where, you know, there's not a lot we can do about that. The tree, you know, will, will recover over time and it'll do its thing. The best thing to do there is just go back to thrive. Make sure that thrive, the soil yeah. has everything it needs and, and it's fed well. Don't try to over, you know, more water is not going to be better, especially for a spruce tree. They don't, once they're established, they don't really need hardly anything. They're very good at conserving moisture. Uh, but, Gary, what are your thoughts? Do you have anything that well, you're yeah, thinking Yeah, I wanted about? to ask. Um, but so when the heat came on, did you compensate by watering these trees more? I did turn my water up a little bit, yes. Mm. And see, they really, they don't like that. And yeah, that might okay. have been enough of a stressor to Could, tip it yeah. over and... Cause and a little bit of something to Cause this desiccation yeah. on these leaves, yeah, on the yeah. needles. <laughs> now, the other okay. thing to check, too, is making sure that there's no sprinkler that's hitting them. Because right. sometimes that's not a big deal, but other times that can be a pretty big deal. So make sure there's no sprinkler. Also, pay attention, you know, if it looks like it's kind of like a pretty symmetrical line across all of them, maybe see if... Uh, you know, it's tough to check it now, but during the summer, you're like, uh, you know, this has happened. I've seen this happen a little bit more and more, but where it happens more in like the, some of the really tight subdivisions where you've got two story houses and things where sunlight glares off of windows and ends up making burn spots in the lawn. Um, and that something like that could happen to a tree as well, especially if it's very symmetrical. Usually when there's symmetry, I typically look to something that is cultural or environmental. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I tend to lean. So sometimes you really got to get out of the box to find that. But I think a picture might help. You know, when you take a picture, don't just take up an up close one. Try to get something from a little bit further back from a couple different angles because that kind of helps us see what is around it and maybe can sometimes help make an association. It looks like uh, Vicky. 
uh, we dropped Vicky there. So thanks for that call, Vicky. I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully we can get that solved for you. I think the best thing, though, is probably just make sure it's fed. Yeah. And uh, probably be okay. So yeah. should we go ahead and take this other call here, Tara? Okay, let's go ahead. Hey, it's Doug. Doug, how's it going? How can we help you today? Hi, Nolan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Now, I was thinking about you this morning, actually, as I was getting ready to come into the show. Did I answer your email from the other day? I forgot what the, it I was. I think you sent me something about your locust tree. Um, I thought that was you. Yeah. Okay. It, it was. There's a hole in the, um, literally, it was like chewed out inside, a hole in, in the trunk, but not... There's a lot, still a lot of bark over it. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah, and I think um, you had another picture in there from an older, like, um, I, I if I recall, I might be mixing it up with something else, but I think what it, what was going on was it, I, what I thought was happening was it was a old sun scald damage to the bark that is now, as the tree's grown more, sun scald is actually is a strange thing to happen to a tree because you, you get like a sunburn on the bark and then um, everything seems pretty normal for like two or three years. And then all of a sudden it starts cracking and it looks really horrible. Um, but yeah. it's actually the that, that bark has been dead for a long time and it's the tree is recovering and growing new bark to compensate and fill that spot in. It's uh, it ends up kind of cracking that old bark that can't grow anymore. So, um, that's that kind of what I was thinking. The west. That part is facing the west. The hole that I have on there is facing the east. The other side of it. And, that's interesting. Yeah. And that that part of that tree was um, something from, um, I think from the polar vortex mm. that we had in October, November of fourteen. Yeah. And yeah, that can have that. That's another one that's interesting was, to think about. I was told to wrap it, wrap it around so it would protect it during the winter time. Here, I got the picture. I just pulled the picture up. I'm going to show it to Gary. Uh, but did you have something else you wanted to talk about, Doug, or was it? Uh, did I just kind of yeah. hijack your call with <laughs> something from no, before? No. Actually, you added something that I forgot about. Oh, okay. Um, the um, Squirrels have been enjoying burying their their peanuts around my yard because they're the raw peanuts. Yeah, and one is growing a big uh, plant um, out on my in the landscape, and it's gotten really big. Well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know anything about, about growing it. peanuts. <laughs> I was reading about it. it says um, to, for maturity, you have to wait till the let the leaves turn yellow and then pull it out um put it in a warm dry place for two weeks and then um hang it upside down or something Mm. and they wait another two weeks will they will they will they produce in a year yeah really why don't we grow peanuts? We, we can grow days. peanuts. How, can we really? I've yeah, never. That's wild. I, was, I always considered it something, you know, a southern climate, but maybe it's because they can just grow them all year there yeah. where it, it doesn't yeah. I mean, freeze and, and stuff. You would grow peanuts here like you do a tomato plant. That. Interesting. Yeah. That's wild. They do say about that um, the northern hemisphere um, has a different way of growing it as mm. opposed to the southern hemisphere. Interesting. You know, the south. 
they use put sand in it around it and um, some kind of mulch to keep it warm. Interesting. And uh, the dirt has to be really soft. So it yeah. Stretch out into it. That is not something we usually have around here. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been growing since late July. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I don't know anything about growing peanuts at all. Like, I've never even looked into it. So it sounds like Gary has a little bit of info, but. <laughs> a little, okay. a little peanut-sized info. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to see that. And actually, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Thanks for the call, Doug. We got to go to a break. We're going to come back for one more segment here of the Zamzos Garden Show. If you'd like to be a part of the show, give us a call two zero eight three three six three seven zero zero or one eight hundred five two nine KBOI. The Zamzos Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and if you have brown spots in your lawn that popped up this summer and need to be replanted, Samzo's has just what you need to fix them fast. The secret is our new Zamzo's Spot Regrow, the all-in-one mulch, grass seed, and soil neutralizer that regrows your grass in just two weeks. And Zamzo's Spot Regrow is easy to use. Just loosen and smooth the soil, then shake on Zamzo's Regrow using one cup per square foot. Water once per day to keep the soil moist till the grass reaches three inches tall and you're done. For larger patches or an entire lawn, Zamzo's has an array of different types of grass seed by the bag or in bulk. And we have a variety of ways to cover and protect your seed. Remember, September is the best time to plant a lawn. The soil is warm, but the nights and evenings are cool. So if you're tired of seeing brown spots in your lawn, Zamzo's has what you need to turn them green. So come see us. 13 stores to serve you, including Cuna, across from the park. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Nate Shellman, live, weekday afternoons from 3 to 7 on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part four of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. With me today has been Gary Yandel, and uh, we've got another phone call. So let's get right to that. Celeste in Eagle. Celeste, how's it going? What can we do for you today? Really good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, mm-hmm. Raspberries. I have been in my house for two years, and I have a small crop of raspberries that were here already when I moved in. They are the type that have two crops. Um, a couple months apart, I think, something like that. And um, so I need to know how to prune, when to do it, and everything else, and also get rid of the little tiny suckers that are beginning to come up in other parts of my yard. Well, Gary is the perfect person to ask. He's got the knowledge for this one. I'm going to just leave leave it to you, Gary. So, yeah, you've got a kind of raspberry. It's called an ever-bearing raspberry. Um, your new canes that sprouted up this year will produce fruits on the ends. And then um, next year, they'll produce fruit further on down. Okay. And, yeah, and that allows you to have two crops. Generally, okay. once they produce their second crop, you go ahead and just cut those right down to the ground. Because they're not going to do anything more for you. Okay. Okay. Well- so basically, it looks for the looks for the uh, vines. That's what you call them. The a bramble. That, the stalk. The bramble. Right, right. The stack. That, so, so the um, the stalk that the stalks that um, have the second crop further down are the ones that get cut. Yeah, go ahead and cut them out. 
are there any that will not have a cost and that I leave? Or ultimately, by the end of the year, they will all be cut down. The, well, the green ones that are sprouting up this year should produce a crop on top. Okay. Most of them should do that. Uh, it really depends on the season. Okay. And those stay. Yeah. And keep year. those. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Sweet. Thank you so very much. Oh, how much do I water them? They need to be kept moist. Water, okay. water raspberries like you do roses. They like to be kept oh. moist. You got a root system that only goes down into the ground about two to three inches. Mm. Okay. So and I like putting a mulch like, around mine, you know, um, straw or even an inch of compost. Okay. And is there, they, they haven't been to the cases that I know you're upset um, some new shoots about six, 12 feet away. Uh, I'm sorry, Celeste. You broke up a little bit there. I think it sounded like she has some new shoots that grew really tall and fast. Is that kind of what is? No, um, they're starting to. They're starting to. Uh, new shoots are starting to come up anywhere between six to twelve feet away. Right? Oh, it's six to twelve oh. feet away. Oh, away. Okay. Yeah. Um, they send out roots. Your your yeah. main crown will send out roots. And they'll pop up, you know, wherever you want. Are those, do those stay connected to the mother plant? They or? do for a time, but then eventually become independent plants. And probably the best bet there, I wouldn't use any kind of chemical um, on that just because you do have a chance of transferring it over into the mom plant or yeah. mother plant. I would I would dig them up. Yeah, I just dig them up, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a great day. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the call, Celeste. Appreciate it. Uh, it sounds like uh, you're going to have a great crop of raspberries next year. We've got just about uh, a minute and a half, two minutes here, so um, probably won't be able to get into a phone call. Really, I mean, we talked. We had a few things that we were going to talk about, but we got so many great calls this week. I really appreciate all that. Getting a chance to talk to you guys uh, and uh, having Gary Yandel in studio is always a treat. I really appreciate it. I was thinking about this, Gary. We have been working together for a very long time, yes, and because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think you started uh, pretty close to the same time I did. If not, are you you're what eighteen? Are you at eighteen years now? I'm sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, so you started a couple years after I did. But what's always uh, you know interesting is you started, and a lot of people don't know this, like that are in the in the company now that you started at our warehouse. You were basically running our warehouse for what four or five years, maybe was it even longer? I think four. Yeah, yeah. four so, years. Yeah. And uh, and then you got to move, the chance to move out to the stores and uh, do you, I I've never you know you 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 made the decision I, I assume you you prefer being out in the stores uh, yeah 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 <laughs> and you do a great job at it so I always appreciate it it's such such a great thing to have Gary on in studio he knows so much I really appreciate it. All right, we are out of time, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you all for the calls. I will be here next week uh, live in studio, and I can't wait to talk to you then. Have a good one.
Hi, this is Jim Zamzo, and when it comes to feeding the wild birds, nobody knows like Zamzo's. No one else has our diversity of bird feeds, our huge selection, including bird blocks, nor does the volume we do. So no national chain knows birds better than Zamzo's. But what you feed and how you feed it will determine how many and what variety of birds you'll see. For starters, you'll need a feeder. Zamzo's has a huge assortment, and our expert staff can help you find the right one for your yard to attract the widest variety of birds. But what you feed is even more important, because unlike discount and grocery store seed, all Zamzo's wild bird feeds are blended exclusively for birds that frequent the Treasure Valley. That's why there's no waste. So if you're looking for a fun hobby and a great source of entertainment for the entire family, feed the wild birds. We'd love to help you get started, so come see us. Because since 1933, when it comes to feeding the wild birds of Idaho, nobody knows.